Wax dripping, honey. What do you say? I got a brand new podcast that you'll want to play, and it's Backtracks Aerosmith Revisited. My name is Corey Morissette, joined as always by St. John Mariano. How are you tonight, sir? Okay, how are you? You just okay? I'm great. We're going to listen to some Aerosmith. I'm with my buddy. I got my Wiser special blend. We're going to listen to some Aerosmith, man. I am fan-fucking-tastic. I'm okay. How are you? Just okay. Just okay. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. What did you think of last week's show? Eat the Rich. Coming out I... of the mixtape, man. And I, I mentioned it after we stopped recording. I'm like, I don't know if that leaves the mixtape because I don't know if there's a better opening for a mixtape than that song. I really want to get to the point where I'm pushing it off the mixtapes. I know how you're going to fight me when it's time <laughs> to make a decision like that. We'll see. You thought I was going to fight last week too, and I didn't. I, I said pretty much whatever you wanted to take off, we'll take off. I like Ethan Rich. And you took off Falling in Love is Hard on the Knees. Then you put another track from Nine Lives on there. What was your reasoning there, John? I'm trying to get through some albums I'm not crazy about. And Nine Lives is an album that not a lot of people are crazy about. There's some good stuff on there. Um, is it mixtape worthy? That's debatable. We'll see what we roll this week, John. We got six songs currently on the die. Uh, real quick, here they are Bitches Brew, theme from Spider Man, Pink, Walking the Dog, Mama Kin, and The Farm, added last week by one John Mariano. What are you hoping for here tonight? So, of all these songs, and this is a whole true, and now it's not my favorite song even on this dice, on this die. But it is my favorite song on its own album. So I'm going with The Farm. I can't believe that's your favorite song off Nine Lives. Like, it's not a great album, but there's better tracks than The Farm, isn't there? I don't know, man. That's that's the way I go on the uh, on Nine Lives. So I can't say that about any of those other songs, that those songs are my favorite songs from the albums that they're on. But the farm is so. So let's let's go with the farm. How about you? Uh, you know what? Uh, I'd be happy to take one of the nine lives tracks off, whether it be the farm or pink. But I'm really kind of hoping we get rid of the uh, theme from Spider Man, which is a song I didn't even know Aerosmith did on the Spider Man soundtrack until you reminded me. Uh, the only song I remember from that was the Chad Kroger uh, song uh, "Hero" from uh, Spider Man way back in the early 2000s. So uh, if we rolled that tonight, I'd be okay. Yeah, I'd be okay. I'd be okay with that coming off the die. And honestly, there are plenty of songs I love on the die. So we'll see which way we go. All right, here we go. We're rolling dice, and we're coming up with Mamakin. We're getting one of the big ones right off the hop here. Uh, wasn't a huge hit uh, when it was released, uh, but man, uh, is there a more recognizable song, Aerosmith song, than Mamakin? I don't know. How did you discover the song, Corey? God, how did I discover the song? I'm trying to think. I know I was in university. I was like you. I picked up Aerosmith in the Geffen era, and I didn't listen to 70s Aerosmith until after. So I had a buddy in film school who was kind of introducing me to early Aerosmith. And this was one of his favorite songs because he he had a pipe, and he literally would smoke tea in it only because he heard it in an Aerosmith song, and that song was Mamakin, Sleeping Late and Smoking Tea. So I don't know if smoking tea ever got him anywhere, but he did it because he heard it in this song. So, so, so seventh or eighth grade is middle school here in the States. And I discovered this song in middle school, but I didn't discover it by Aerosmith. Really? 
I discovered it by Guns N' Roses. That's right. It was on uh, on their uh, EP, right? Uh, they yeah, it was on Lies. Yeah. And, and, and I thought it was the greatest thing I had ever heard. And somebody, one of my older cousins had told me, like, that's an Aerosmith song. That song was like, whatever it was at the time, like 15 years old or whatever. And and sure, sure, sure enough, they played the album for me, and that was my, my that was my entry into the Aerosmith version of Mama Ken. Was was I heard it on a Guns N' Roses EP, and then my cousins, who I was like praising pra- praising the gods of Guns N' Roses to them, and they played some old school Aerosmith for me. See, and Lies was big when I was in high school as well back in '88. But it was more patience. It was more you're crazy. I don't know if we listened to much of, of that first side of lies where Mamakin was, that I, I don't remember really picking it up until uh, you know, university a couple of years later. But yeah, that was that was a big song uh, on lies. Which uh, let's see, GNR covered it on a on an EP called Live Like a Suicide, right? Way back in the day before Appetite came out. Yeah, and they kind of took that that half of the EP. And put it with uh, some newer songs like uh, they did Patience, of course, and uh, they did a, an acoustic version of You're Crazy and One in a Million and things like that. But yeah, Mama King for uh, GNR goes way, way back in their in their history. Yeah, and and it goes back into like we, we've mentioned a few times, like the way Aerosmith has influenced other other bands and other performance and Slash particularly. Mm-hmm. And here here we go, and it's like I discover older Aerosmith, I was very familiar with the Geffen Aerosmith at that point, but I discovered older Aerosmith because, because, because of Guns N' Roses. That's kind of funny, and what you get is one of the most iconic Aerosmith songs of all time. It maybe wasn't the biggest hit. Um, you know, This is a song from their first album, um, but nowadays uh, Aerosmith fans, they all know Mama Kin. One of their most uh, played uh, songs uh, in concert uh, by far. Uh, I'm going to try and bring up the stats here. How many times, if you had to guess, how many times do you think Mama Kin has been played live by Aerosmith? Oh, five. You're talking 40, 40 years of concerts? Yep. Because this, this was on the first album? That's right. Uh, um, I don't know. It's got to be in the thousands, right? Well, 825 by Aerosmith, uh, over 1,000 when you factor in 38 other artists that have covered Mama Kin, uh, Guns N' Roses, Adler's Appetite, which is a band that Steven Adler uh, formed after. Uh, you know, they, they've all covered it. Like, uh, Mama Kin is one of the most covered, I think, Aerosmith songs of all time. Um, an all-time absolute classic. What do you say, John? Uh, let's spin uh, from the first album in Aerosmith's discography uh, way, way back in 1973, Mama Kin. That's Now, we're used to a little horn section at Aerosmith. This is the first time I think we've had a sax. Yeah, I, I think we may have had a sax here or there on a track, kind of, kind of, kind of laid low on something. 
Um, I feel like we have, but not not prominent like this. Kind of weird. Uh, I don't remember there being a sax on an Aerosmith track before. Uh, just reading a little bit of history of Mamakin, um, I think Stephen Tyler said, one day I grabbed this old guitar Joey Kramer found in the, in the garbage on Beacon Street an acoustic with no strings. It had snow on it, and it was so warped that you could shoot arrows with it. Uh, I wedged it between the door and let it dry for a week. I looked at it for about two days, put four strings on it, which is about all it would take because it was so warped. He stole the opening lick from the old Blodwin Pig song. Have you ever heard of Blodwin Pig? That's the, I, I got to say, I, I thought I knew a thing or two about a thing or two when it came to music history. I've never heard of Blodwin Pig. You know more than I do about music history. So if you don't know it, we, we can guarantee I probably don't know it. Right. Like, like I know some things that you don't know in general, especially trivia and stuff. Corey. Oh, yeah. But oh, when, when, it, when it comes to like the back catalog of, of, of our music vocabulary, you, you beat me nine, nine and a half times out of 10. I never heard of that band before. This is fascinating. All right, let's keep going with Mama Kid. great was that little uh instrumental section right you had like tom was, was killing it joe was killing it brad on the rhythm was killing it joe was killing it like just that great little instrumental section before we get into the uh, lyrics it, it, it's so funny because this is the band supposedly discovering who they are but to a degree it, it, it's them saying with this track which i, I think and no offense to even dream on, which is easily the, the most famous song off of this album. Right. Right. Um, but this is the band saying, kicking you in the nuts and going, this is what Aerosmith is about. Fuckers sit down, put your headphones on and listen up. Well said. I think, especially with a lot of these faster tracks, that definitively the live versions I enjoy more. And that holds true for Mama Kin. But I feel like the differential between the album cut and the live cut is much slighter on this than many other tracks. You think so? I think so. Like, I get Tyler's doing the Kermit the Frog voice. Yeah, I, like, I get that. I get. I get that. There are some inherent, like, oh, I kind of wish that was different, or oh, I wish. But I feel like the differential between 
how they play it live, especially the band mm-hmm. and how they play it live ver- versus how they're playing it on the album. I feel like the band has very much that same energy that you get from a live performance on the studio cut. I agree with you. I, I blame kind of the production here. Uh, Adrian Barber was a producer on record. I don't think he was able to capture that Aerosmith sound. And I want to go back to a, a quote uh, from uh, the book Rocks, Joe Perry's autobiography, uh, where he says, and I quote, our producer was practically useless. He had little input. When I heard the playback, I kept thinking, we're better than this. We should sound better than this. We're being recorded wrong. We sound fucking flat. But because I lacked the studio chops to prescribe a remedy, I kept quiet. It pained me, though, that my guitar was not cutting through. There's magic on it, but it's just not the magic I envisioned. And he's not wrong. Like, it sounds flat, doesn't it? But it also goes to show you, like, we always, like, look, we're creators to agree doing this podcast. I have friends who create stuff, right? I'm an artist by trade. You're an editor by trade. Mm-hmm. And, and, we're all very critical, especially of the tools and everything at our disposal. But listening to Aerosmith, Aerosmith, and listening to this track particularly off of that album, talent cuts through the bullshit. And, you know, whatever Joe knew he was swimming upstream against, this track is kicking you in the face and telling you this is this band is one to listen to and forgive them from, for, for what you might hear as, you know, and the stuff that they're hearing as problems, the fans weren't because they go on to make how many more albums, Corey, right? They don't get to make a second album. If the fans are hearing the same things, Joe Perry's hearing on the recording of this album. Um, but, but talent cuts through and that's what's going on right now. His talent is cutting through. And the Steven Tyler mentioned that the band was very nervous recording their first album. Uh, he actually was quoted uh, saying the band was very uptight. They were so nervous when the red light recording light came on that we froze. We were scared shitless. Steven Tyler changed his voice into the Muppet Kermit the Frog to sound more like a blues singer. So you, you get a new band in the recording studio when that red light comes on, you know, nerves play a factor. And here's one of the most accomplished bands uh, in history, admitting back in 1973 when that light came on, they weren't sure what the fuck they were doing. And they had a first-time producer who didn't really know what the fuck he was doing either. So Steven did this, you know, Kermit the Frog voice, and 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 nobody told him that it sounded stupid, and nobody told him not to. So they kind of got away with it. So here's the example of a song, Mamakin, who, as they progressed as a band, became better and better and better the more they did it in concert. But that first recording kind of sounds goofy in a, in, in a lot of ways i don't know if it sounds goofy like i get i get the voice thing but i have trouble digging it because it's such a freaking classic man like it's it, it's like just as we go back into it listen to the instruments oh, yeah. and, and and forget about listening to the tinniness or, or, or the quality of the recording just listen to the instruments play they're fantastic uh like uh, the rhythm especially that rhythm backbeat that brad whitford's laying down is phenomenal on this song and really makes makes that backbone along with tom hamilton and joey kramer um 
to me, this is where the rhythm section for Aerosmith really shines. And this is way back in 1972 uh, when they recorded this song. How many years ago? The rhythm section is killing it, even on this early recording. How great's that line? The way I see it, you got to say shit, but don't forget to drop me a line. But it's the way he says it too. It's like shit. Yeah, shit. <laughs> you know, it's it, it, it's the way he sells it that really makes that line. How distracting is the saxophone? So I remember hearing this for the first time. It was a live cut when Aerosmith was kind of clean and sober and playing the song the way it was meant to be played. Going way back to 72, you got the Kermit the Frog voice. You got the uh, the saxophone. It's, it's kind of distracting for me. Well, it's, to me, it's, di- it's distracting if you've heard the other versions first and I heard the other versions first and you heard the other versions first, but in the context of our show right now, it's the first version of this song we're hearing. So had we heard this song first, I don't know how distracting the saxophones are having heard better produced versions of the song. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think when eventually those are produced, you go, Oh, I enjoy this production better. But in the context of the release order, I don't have a problem with the saxophones because you're trying stuff out, especially a new album. You're listening to your producer who's probably saying, you got to have the saxophone in there. And then you're like, why? Oh, I want the saxophone in there. You need to fill it. It, it doesn't work, but you don't know that at the time, right? And I'm not trying to sound like I'm a defender of the song, but I'm also trying to put the song in the context of they were recording their first album. So the question is going to be this version of Mama Kin with the Kermit the Frog voice and the saxophone is it could be strong enough to make the mixtape, knowing that there's stronger versions out there. See, I don't like I don't like when you, you play that game, right? Because knowing that it, the question is, is this song better than some of the songs that are on the mixtape now? Not, not. No, no. Is this recording better than some of the songs on the mixtape? That, that, that's fair. That's fair. But that's a lot different than is this version of this song strong enough to make? No. In the context of right now, is this recording stronger than songs that are already on the mixtape? And right. we're going to find out soon. And we see that Corey's being a crank already. I'm going to have to give him a wedgie. I'm Whoa. being a crank. Whoa. Yeah, you're being a crank. Fair enough. 
Now, smoking tea. I remember I told that story about me and my buddy in film school. He would literally take Earl Grey and put it in his pipe and smoke it. I, I don't know if he got much out of that. I know I tried a little bit of just smoking tea. Uh, I don't get it. Is, is he maybe referencing something else in that line, John? I don't get a lot out of drinking tea. And I do that kind of regularly. I drink tea with honey. I drink tea with lemon. Um, you, you know, I drink Earl Grey when I drink the Earl Grey. But he's talking about smoking up, dude. I just remember that being a thing where my friend's like, hey, guess what? Just like in the Aerosmith song, I got a pipe. I got some tea. Let's, let's smoke some Earl Grey. I, I'm explaining this to Corey because Corey is one of the most innocent individuals you guys will ever meet. <laughs> and sometimes when things are from the south side of the tracks, Corey's not always sure about what's going on. So I don't always know if Corey's kidding with us or if he needs the thing spelled out. I'm Canadian. We don't do a lot of this shit, right? Like, <laughs> I, I, I'm looking to my American brother from another mother to kind of let me know smoking tea. Is he referencing something or is he literally smoking tea? Because that's what we tried. And I don't know. It's not that great. Well, I mean, I, that's fair because, because the, the Canadian version of Cheech and Chong are the McKenzie brothers and they just drink beer. That's true. Good old Elsinore beer. Oh, I, I don't like that sax at all. Give me a Joe Perry guitar solo in there, not not some fucking wacky sax. It, and it's very weird because it, it almost feels like it belongs in like the Lethal Weapon movies, where like 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 we fade to like Mel Gibson in in his trailer, like <laughs> m m mulling, mulling his life and whatever. The gun to his head, like, really? That's where you went? <laughs> that's absolutely where I went. Is it felt very much like? That's what the saxophone brings me to. Holy fuck, time. did I not go there at all? Mel Gibson crying in his trailer with a gun to his head. That's where you went with the wacky sax for Momakin? Oh my God, John, you're damaged. <laughs> <laughs> Right, that's Momakin from Aerosmith's self-titled debut album released January 5th, 1973.
And that was not, that was something else. Was That was something else for another night, my friend. That was actually, remember, Walking in the Sand from Aerosmith's Greatest Hits. I, I knew exactly what that track was. <laughs> we should add that to the next sometime. What do you think? We will, but not, not tonight. I already have a song picked out for tonight. You already have a song? Well, first of all, you got to let us know. Mama Ken from 1973, is that making the mixtape, John? Corey, if we don't put this on the mixtape, even this version of it, no one's going to listen to the show anymore, man. I agree. I agree. This is not the best version of this song, but you got to put Mama Kin on, especially only 31 episodes in. Like, it absolutely deserves to be there. So the question becomes, what comes up? I got to see. Um, bone to bone? Well, is that where you want to go? You want to go bone no, to no. bone? Uh, I'm just throwing out a song. See what you said. I'm, I'm going to say no. <laughs> I'm going to say no to that, my friend. Would you like to throw another song out there? Well, you've been pushing for uh, You Gotta Move uh, going off the mixtape. And I can't make a case for You Gotta Move staying on over Mama Ken. Can you so, make, um, could, could, could you make a case for, for You Gotta Move staying and just push play going? So now we're debating just push play over you gotta move. I dig just push play though, and I feel like we need something from 2000s plus Aerosmith. So I don't know. I, I would pick just push play over you gotta move right now. To stay or to go? To stay. All right. So then you gotta move goes, but I want to at least open open up another option to you. No, nope, that's that, that's very good because uh, let's be honest, just push play is not going to last very long. I don't think on the mixtape. However, that and you got to move. Even though they fucking killed that version of you got to move, I absolutely love it. Mamakin absolutely deserves to be there, so it is taking off. You got to move. It is now find its way into the final eighteen on the mixtape, which includes. Sweet emotion, shut up and dance, let the music do the talking, no more, no more, chip away the stone, nobody's fault, the other side, bone to bone, Coney Island whitefish boy, rats in the cellar, permanent vacation, Janie's got a gun, moving out, girl keeps coming apart, eat the rich, just push play for at least one more week, seasons of wither, and sick as a dog. That's a pretty good mixtape to begin with. We haven't hit any of the really big tracks yet, John. No, 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 we, we, we haven't. But I mean, this was one of the bigger ones, I feel like. Oh, yeah. Um, and then with that, I was looking at what song to add. And I want to try to keep the like, I think we're doing it, keeping a good mix of early Aerosmith and later Aerosmith mm-hmm. on the mixtape. And we're pulling an early Aerosmith off. So we should probably pop an early Aerosmith back on. Okay. And I was looking at Get Your Wings. And there were some tracks I'm really looking forward to hearing on Get Your Wings. A couple of ones I was really looking forward to hearing I almost picked tonight. But I'm going to go with a track I'm less familiar with. Okay. Um, I'm I'm, I'm going with Spaced. Spaced? Way back from Get Your Wings, written by uh, Stephen Tyler and Joe Perry. A song I'm not super familiar with either. Uh, Get Your Wings, of course, the big hits on that album were... uh, 
you know, same old song and dance. Lord of the Thighs currently on the mixtape. Oh no, I took that off the mixtape, didn't I? Yeah, I took that fucker off. Yeah. Train kept a rolling though, which has been a live staple for Aerosmith. That's on that album. Seasons of Wither, uh, which is still on the mixtape. Uh, so we're gonna go with space. That's interesting. Kind of yeah. a deeper cut off Get Your Wings. Yeah, I, I mean, the options I was looking at were some of the ones you mentioned. Um, Woman of the World's on there. SOS Too Bad's on there, but it's a shorter song. Right. And and Pandora's Box is also on there. Mm-hmm. And and I felt like in looking at this album, the song that I'm least familiar with is Spaced. Yeah. Which is why, which is why, why, why I picked it. The other one uh, that is interesting off that album is Pandora's Box, written by Steven Tyler and Joy Kramer, which they don't have a lot of writing credits together, I don't think. Uh, Stephen and Joey, so that would have been interesting too. Yeah, no, no it, it would have been, but again, like this is me. I feel like the last few weeks, I've, I've, we've been rolling through some fairly big songs lately, mm-hmm. and I thought it was a good time to get a deeper cut on there. It's a deeper cut off of one of their big albums and um, one of their early early albums. So we'll, we'll see, we'll see where we go next. But I think I think the mixtape's looking good, man. Absolutely. The songs currently on there are Bitches Brew, The Farm, Theme from Spider-Man, Pink, Walking the Dog, and Spaced. So whatever we roll next week, it's going to be interesting. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, what would you look forward to hearing next week if you got to hear one of these? You know what? I really dig kind of the riff on Bitches Brew. Uh, so that one sticks out. Uh, Spider-Man, just to get rid of it, uh, sticks out. And Pink, which is maybe my favorite uh, track off of Nine Lives, even though that's not really saying much, but I'll be looking forward to hearing that one. How about you? What are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to seeing your reaction when we play The Farm. So <laughs> Definitely not my favorite track off of Nine Lives, that's for sure. So It is my favorite track off of Nine Lives, and you can take make of that what you will. There you have it. Uh, John, anything else you want to say before uh, we call it a night here tonight? Yeah, yeah. If if there's an era or or an album that you feel like we're underrepresenting at this point, please tweet at us and let us know. Um, it, it's not that we love complaints, but we love hearing from you. We love the criticism, and we love to know what you're interested in. So this, it's your, your chance to give your voice back to us a little bit and let us know. So you could tweet tweet at us at what is it? B B T Aerosmith. B T Aerosmith. That's all right. Look, I remember, I remember, I remember the handle. Look at that! It's the first time in now. thirty-two shows you got the handle right. Yeah, good. Fin- finally got it right. <laughs> yes, at BT Aerosmith. Let us know uh, an album that you want to hear a track from, or maybe give us a track because uh, we got a long way to go. We're only thirty-two songs in, and we got well over three hundred to go. So it's a long road to hoe, but uh, we're having a lot of fun doing it. Uh, this was a fun one tonight, Mama Kim, back on the mixtape. Uh, Let's see what we get next week. On behalf of John Mariano, my name is Corey Marson. Thank you very much for joining us. And as always, let's give the final word to Steven Tyler. (laughs) 